Wins are good. Wins in the home opener are better. Wins in the home opener over the Yankees? Well, those might be the sweetest of them all. And that's what the Orioles did on Friday. Taking down the Yankees 7-6 to to start their season at Camden Yards. And I'll break down the Orioles' W coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Friday, April 7th, 2023, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are going to recap the Orioles' home opening victory as they took down the Yankees 7-6 on Friday afternoon. I'll give you the five things you need to know from that win. Then I'll give a little thoughts about the Orioles' bullpen, which did have to get 12 outs in today's win. And some were good, some not so good. We'll kind of reassess the pen after one week of play. And then give some injury updates for the Orioles. We got more news on guys like Michael Givens, James McCann, and Kyle Bradish. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. Before we get there, though, just did want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. We're free and available on all podcast listening platforms. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked On Orioles podcast on our YouTube channel as well. Thanks for bearing with me a little bit this week. Again, didn't have the episode out here on Friday morning, but getting you a post-game episode here on a Friday evening after the Orioles pick up the W. And just did want to you know do a little programming note here as this season goes on. Uh, in terms of me outside the podcast, not to divulge too much information, but this is my first season hosting, well, this is my fourth season hosting the podcast here, but it is my first time with kind of a different work situation and outside of the podcast. So because of that, not that the pod will be inconsistent, but there will be some weeks where not all five days the pod is up early in the morning. And there may be some weeks where you only get four episodes. And podcasts may come out at a little more weirder times than they've come out in the past. Just bear with me. I'll let you know if those changes are happening. But still trying to get you pods five days a week to cover the Orioles as we go through an exciting 2023 season. We thank you for hanging on for as long as you have as the O's finally get back to relevance. And we thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. But let's jump right into it. Orioles 7, Yankees 6. Final score from Oriole Park at Camden Yards on Friday afternoon as the O's win the home opener for the first time in a little while here uh, since they had those three straight walk-offs in 16, 17, and 18 in the home openers. We are back to winning the first game at Oriole Park. And I'll get you the five things you need to know from this Orioles win that got them to four and three on the young season. And the first thing you need to know is that, well, the Orioles offense, it spread the love today with its seven runs in this game. Orioles on the day, seven runs on 10 hits against this Yankee pitching. They got to Clark Schmidt. Schmidt, the right-hander, started for the Yankees, allowed four runs on five hits over just three and a third innings, three Ks, and three walks. And the Orioles, I mean, they really just torched him, even on balls that they did not get hits on, 11 hard-hit balls against Schmidt. In three and a third innings, that was pretty impressive. And they scored a run on three out of the four Yankee relievers that came into the game as well, which was really impressive. And by spreading the love, the O's scored seven runs. They had six different players with an RBI. It could have been seven, except for the fact that the seventh run scored on a wild pitch. So it couldn't have been an RBI anyway. So on the six runs that were batted in, all were from different Orioles. 
Adley Rutschman, Ryan Mountcastle, Gunnar Henderson, Ramona Rios, Adam Frazier, and Austin Hayes all had an RBI in this game, leading to the O's victory. All nine starters in this game had at least one hard-hit ball. Anthony Santander had three of them. And then Cedric Mullins, Mountcastle, Henderson, Arias, and Frazier all had two hard-hit balls in this game. It was a really impressive offensive performance, one through nine for the O's. They just kept the pressure on, two in the second, two in the third, one in the sixth, and two in the seventh to go ahead and win this game. I was impressed with how this offense looked against good Yankee pitching in this game. And one guy that impressed me maybe the most in this game is Gunnar Henderson. And the second thing you need to know from this one is that Gunnar Henderson was playing his first ever home opener with the Orioles, and he made it count. You know, there's been a few struggles early in the season. I mean, even with the two for five on Friday, he's still hitting just 190 on the year. But he's got a 751 OPS because he continues to walk. And this game was a good one for Henderson. Now, his three outs were all strikeouts, but he was two for five with a double, a single, an RBI, and those three Ks. Came up with some big hits, had an RBI double early in the game, and he was DHing once again in this game. He's done it a couple of times already this season. He'll do it a few more times this year as well, even though he is very good defensively. But it was good to see him get some hits, you know, get, get that little bit of pressure off his back in the home opener and have a nice game hitting out of the five hole for the Orioles. Third thing you need to know from this one as we switch it over to the pitching side is that Dean Kramer was better, certainly better, than his first start. But I would just call him okay in his second start of the season. Now, his first start was not good. Gave up five runs over three innings in Fenway. This one, he kept the Orioles in the game. Kramer goes five-plus innings, allowing four runs on five hits. He strikes out four, walks three, and does allow a home run. 87 pitches for Kramer. Now, the good thing was... Only five hard-hit balls against him in five-plus innings of work. It wasn't a lot of hard contact. He got dinked and dunked a little bit. Of course, he did give up the three-run homer to Franchi Cordero in the top of the fourth inning because, of course, he did. And that was kind of a tough inning. You know, Kramer retired the first two batters in the fourth. The Orioles were leading 4 nothing. It looked like they were cruising along. And then all of a sudden, Oswaldo Cabrera gets a base hit. And then, you know, he goes ahead and walks Jose Trevino and then just leaves one over the plate to Franchi Cordero. And, of course... After the Orioles cut Cordero, after having him in spring training, he signs a major league deal with the Yankees. He's been starting in right field a lot for the Yankees, and what does he do? Well, he goes to Camden Yards and hits a three-run homer in this game to put the Yankees right back in it. But otherwise, for Kramer, you know, the stuff was pretty similar to how it looked in Boston in his first start. And once again, you know, he mixed a lot of his pitches. What was interesting is... 87 pitches and only one curveball thrown by Dean Kramer. That used to be his best secondary pitch, but a trend we saw late in the year last year was Kramer kind of going away from that curveball. It was a lot of fastballs in this game. 28 four-seamers, 20 sinkers, and five cutters. You know, that's 53 of his 87 pitches were some type of fastball. He did go to the changeup a good amount. He threw 14 sweepers. That was a career high. So he mixed his pitches. The velo was up. I mean, he was 94-96 in this game, which was pretty impressive. And, you know, again, seven whiffs on 36 swings, not anything to write home about, but he did enough to help the Orioles win this game. He did come back out for the sixth, gave up a leadoff single, then left the game. That single ended up scoring in the inning, so that's why he was charged with that fourth run. But overall, I liked what I saw and a good step forward after a bad first start for Dean Kramer. Sticking on the pitching end, the fourth thing you need to know from this one is that Brian Baker, I think, got his mojo back. In this game. Now, a little bit later in this episode, we're going to talk about the bullpen as a whole, but you know, the Orioles had this lead in this game, had a nice seventh inning. 
where they took a, a 7-5 lead. CNL Perez had thrown a five-pitch top of the seventh to keep the game tied at five. And then Perez goes back out there, obviously, for the eighth inning. He's probably been the Orioles' best reliever this year. He had just thrown five pitches to get through the seventh. Why not have him face the middle of the Yankee order? Well, he gives up three consecutive hits. All of a sudden, it's 7-6. Runners on first and second and nobody out. And Brendan Hyde kind of has no choice but to go to the bullpen because all three hits were pretty hard hit balls, including a scorched leadoff double from Giancarlo Stanton. So you got to take Perez out of there. And because of the injuries in the bullpen right now, your next best eighth inning option at this point is Brian Baker, who has had some early season struggles. But Baker came in and did a great job. He comes in, induces a double play, and then gets a gigantic strikeout of Isaiah Kiner-Falefa to end the inning and keep the Orioles leading 7-6. to six going into the bottom of the eighth. Baker was fired up. We saw that fire on the mound from him last year when he would get big outs, but he was pumped getting that strikeout to end the eighth inning. And that was huge because he was terrible in his first outing. He's looked a little better in the last two outings since then, but nothing like this where he came in and, and did really attack the strike zone, used his stuff, and and got these key outs that the Orioles absolutely needed because the bullpen was faltering just a little bit. But he threw eight pitches, and it was seven four-seam fastballs. Seven fastballs and one slider. So he went fastball heavy. It was 95-97, just rated up, here we go, and he got the outs that he needed. And the fifth and final thing you need to know from this Orioles 7-6 win over the Yankees is, speaking of the big outs that Brian Baker got, the help was from Ramon Arias, who turned a key double play in that eighth inning. And really the two biggest plays in this game came from Ramon Arias, who got the start at third base today in the Orioles' home opener after winning the gold glove there last year, hitting in the six hole. Went two for three with two doubles, a walk, an RBI, and a strikeout in this game. Really the big play defensively was what I just mentioned. Baker comes in first and second, nobody out. And, you know, they've got Jose Trevino at the plate. He's squaring to bunt. He pulls back, and, and Baker misses with the first two pitches, so it's 2-0. and Yankees take the bunt off, and Trevino hits a pretty hard-hit ball down the third baseline. Arias stabs it, calmly steps on the bag, makes a nice throw over to first to complete the 5-3 double play to really help out Baker, who then finished the inning with a strikeout. But Arias' big swing came in the seventh inning. He came up in this game with it tied at five and came up with a chance to really do some damage with a runner on third and one out. And Arias just laced a ball into the left center field gap, an RBI double to give the Orioles the lead. 106 off the bat, just crushed that ball into the alleyway. And it's something I talked about a lot on the podcast last year. Ramon Arias hits the ball really hard. In fact, he leads the Orioles in average exit velocity. But the reason why he doesn't put up gaudy offensive numbers like some of the guys in the league around him in exit velocity numbers is that he just hits the ball on the ground way too much. But we saw Arias elevate twice today for two doubles. He elevated some in Fenway, saw the home run that he hit. He just has to hit the ball in the air, and when he does, he does damage like he did on Friday and helped the Orioles to a 7-6 win over the Yankees to take the home opener. Now, the Orioles did get the win, but... I will say the bullpen at times, despite talking about Brian Baker getting the big outs, it was a little bit shaky. So coming up next, wanted to reassess the Orioles bullpen. We're one week into the season. They've played seven games. They're without two of their most reliable relievers. How have these guys fit in? And who do I trust and who do I not trust one week in from the Orioles bullpen? But first... This episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by So Rare. 
So Rare is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across 30 MLB teams. And unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, So Rare managers truly own their fantasy experience, collecting, buying, selling, and competing with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. Win or lose, you still own your cards and there's no cost to play. And the MLB game weeks, they happen twice weekly and span a three to four day cycle as well. And at the end of game weeks on So Rare, the MLB managers who rank at or near the top of the leaderboards win a variety of rewards. You can get scarcity cards, game tickets, merchandise, signed jerseys, and VIP experiences like meeting MLB stars. So head to SoRare.com slash locked on. That's spelled S-O-R-A-R-E dot com to draft your team of free player cards, set your lineup, and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that's SoRare.com slash locked on to start playing today. So the Orioles take the home opener 7-6 over the New York Yankees to get back up over 500 and start the season at Oriole Park with a 1-0 record. But there was a couple of struggling moments in this game. Obviously, it was tough to see them give up the three-run homer to Franchi Cordero after cutting him loose. That did uh, that certainly did not make anyone feel good. But the other tough moments were the bullpen. It really started in the sixth inning after Dean Kramer gave up the leadoff single with the Orioles leading 4-3. to three. He comes out of the game, and Logan Gillespie comes in. And Logan Gillespie, who I think most of us assume was the final guy to make this roster, kind of the final guy in the bullpen, he's been good early. But... I think the moment got to him a little bit. He was not good. He was errant everywhere. He gives up a two-run double that gives the Yankees the lead. Then CNL Perez later in the game has the quick seventh but gives up three straight hits to start the eighth. And we've seen it, you know, in that Boston series. It's not the same bullpen as it was last year. Now the Orioles are missing two big pieces. Dylan Tate out through at least the middle of May, it looks like. He's been the Orioles' most reliable reliever for two years now. Michael Givens, the veteran the Orioles signed to just kind of you know, sure up the bullpen a little bit. He's out for a bit as well. We'll get to an injury update on him a little bit later. But without those two guys, you know, you're struggling a little bit in the pen. And also because, you know, the Orioles sent Grayson Rodriguez down and now Kyle Bradish is on the injured list. Tyler Wells moves from the bullpen to the rotation. So you're a little worse in the pen there as well. So I wanted to reassess through seven games just about how I feel about these relievers, who I trust and who I don't trust at this point. Now, right now, after seven games recording just after Friday's game ended, I'd put three in the trust category. I'd put Felix Bautista, CNL Perez, and surprisingly, Danny Coulomb would be my third trusted reliever. Yes, Bautista looked a little shaky in those first two outings in Boston, but he has righted the ship since. He looked good in Texas, and he looked really, really good against the Yankees on Friday. Easy strikeout of Anthony Volpe. Crazy good splitter to strike out DJ LeMahieu. Now, it was a little concerning with the bases empty and two down that he did walk Aaron Judge on four pitches, and three of the four really weren't that close to the strike zone. And he was a little wild against Anthony Rizzo. Two pitches in the dirt that allowed Judge to get to third with two outs in that ninth inning. But he got the job done, got the pop-up to end the game. He threw enough strikes. The velocity was looking good. The splitter is back. You know, he really didn't have splitter command in his first two outings of the season. Bautista now has the splitter command that he really needs to be as dominant as he can be. And it was fun to watch him throw 11 splitters out of his 19 pitches and go at those guys and get the save. So he's he's trusted. 
Now, Ceno Perez, I know he gave up the three straight hits in the eighth inning and gave up the run, but he's also been pounding the strike zone again this year. The stuff still looks really good. I mean, the fastball velocity is still there. You know, he was throwing 97 today. The slider is, still looks nasty. I still like Ceno Perez there. And then Danny Kaloum has kind of been the surprise, trustworthy guy. The Orioles acquired him a day before opening day in a trade for cash considerations. Uh, from the Minnesota Twins. It looked like he was not going to make the Twins roster, so the Orioles went to get, get him and kind of stuck him in that bullpen as an extra lefty. And he hasn't really pitched super late in games, like hasn't been a 7th or 8th inning guy, but he's gotten some key outs in the 5th, 6th, and 7th innings so far for the Orioles and even got key outs in the 2nd and 3rd innings. On Monday night, he was the first pitcher in after Kyle Bradish left the game in Texas with injury. And for Danny Kaloum, you know, he really threw some good-looking stuff on Friday afternoon, and a lot of good breaking balls to get some key strikeouts to keep that game where it was in the sixth inning. Things could have gotten a lot worse in that sixth inning if Kolum hadn't come to the rescue. And, and a big thing when you know you have three lefties in the bullpen and Keegan Aiken, Cino Perez, and Danny Kolum is that those guys have to be able to get righties out too. And that's what Kolum has done. He got some righties out in this game, got a big pop-out and a strikeout to keep the game at five to four. And the stuff's not overpowering, but something that Kulum talked about a little bit this offseason is how he reshaped his breaking balls a little bit, specifically his slider. And it was interesting to see in the seven pitches that he threw, Statcast said he threw three sliders, two sweepers, one knuckle curve, and one four seam fastball. So he's got kind of like a harder slider now that's like 86, 88, and then a sweeper that's more 82, 84, and then a curveball that's more 81, 82. And he's just tossing those pitches in there at different times. And yeah, they might look the same maybe to an untrained eye, but they are different breaking balls. And that gives him the ability to get lefties and righties out. I don't think he's going to be like the Orioles setup man by the end of this year. But I like the stuff in a middle relief role at this point. He spins the ball very, very well, like very high spin rates on all those breaking balls as well. Then we'll go to the middle category, the sometimes trust. Could move up to trust, could move down. I'll put Logan Gillespie and Brian Baker in that category. Now, Gillespie probably has moved down from trust to sometimes trust after Friday's outing. He came into the game and just he just didn't throw strikes. It was plain and simple there. He got into a bad count, threw a fastball down the middle, gave up a two-run double. Probably got squeezed on a 3-2 pitch earlier in the sixth inning. Should have had a strikeout, didn't get it. But either way, stuff was fairly crisp, but just didn't throw strikes. Got to throw strikes in this game. And then Brian Baker, he probably would have been in don't trust for a while. But as I talked about already, stuff looked a little better on Friday, so we'll bump him up. But in the don't trust category right now, I have Austin Voth, I have Keegan Aiken, and I have Mike Bauman. And that's a little concerning, because those are all three guys who can give you length. Now, I know the Orioles have said that Bauman is now a one-inning guy, but he can still give them some length. I mean, his last outing, he threw 43 pitches. So you can certainly give him a little bit of length. But those are your three length guys. And you need at least one of them to be at least in the sometimes trust category. And after Voth gave up some hard contact in the game Wednesday in Texas, Aiken has not gotten a lot of key outs. And Mike Bauman hasn't pitched in almost a week now because he's looked a little shaky when he's been out there. I just don't trust any of those three guys right now, so it's going to be interesting to see how the bullpen moves forward. I think the roles right now, like Bautista's your closer, and it's going to be put between Perez and I think Baker's back in there to get the high leverage outs 
then Kalum and Gillespie are going to be kind of your go-to middle relievers in close games. And they'll try to use both Aiken and Bauman when they can. But it's, you know, more of a, a group of three right now. And I think we're going to see moving forward, Danny Kalum get some more high leverage spots because he's just been one of the better relievers. And, you know, I think that the tail of the tape is the Orioles need Dylan Tate and Michael Givens back. Now, we haven't gotten any further updates on Dylan Tate, but we did get an update on Michael Givens on Friday. And I'll share that with a little more injury news to finish out the pod coming up after this. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The NBA playoffs are almost here. And now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet, up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, it's secure, and it's super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scorers and to threes drained. Right now... This is probably not a good bet, but I'm loving the Sacramento Kings. I'm loving that they're getting back to the playoffs. I love Kevin Herter. Throw a little money on the Sacramento Kings to win the championship. Why not? Probably getting uh, some good odds right there. And plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet, up to $1,000 in bonus bets, when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So to finish out the pod here today as the O's get a 7-6 win over the New York Yankees recording here on Friday evening after the game. Want to get you a couple of injury updates that we got from Brandon Hyde and others on Friday before the game, starting with Michael Gibbons. Just talked about how there's some guys I trust and don't trust in the bullpen. I think I would trust Michael Gibbons on the mound whenever he does come back. Got some good news on his knee on Friday. It looks like it is doing well. Brandon Hyde said he's going to throw a side session on Saturday, and the Orioles will go from there. Hopefully it's only a couple more weeks before they can get Gibbons back. Otherwise, switching to behind the plate, James McCann will be playing in a rehab game tonight in High A Aberdeen. That'll be his first game action since that oblique injury. That tells me that at some point next week, the Orioles are going to have James McCann back, which, again, your backup catcher doesn't have the biggest impact on the team, but he is a better baseball player than Anthony Bemboom is, and so it makes the team a little bit better. I mean, he's the guy they traded for this offseason to back up Adley, so I would think by the end of next week, the Orioles will have James McCann back there as long as there's no setbacks on his rehab. And then Kyle Bradish, you know, we know he went on the injured list after taking the line drive off the foot. We didn't get an official update. Brandon Hyde has still said that it looks like he'll be back in the rotation when he returns and he'll probably start the day he comes off the injured list after 15 days. But we also did see Kyle Bradish jogging down the orange carpet during the pregame ceremonies on Friday without any issue. So without a, an official update from Brandon Hyde, that's still really good news for a Kyle Bradish who has a foot injury that they said, yeah, you're good to jog down the orange carpet and he looked fine as he was doing so. I would say that tells you he's going to be back right after the 15 days. And then the last piece of injury news goes to the minor leagues. This is tough for me. A pitching prospect who I have loved since the Orioles drafted him in the fifth round in 2020 out of high school. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Carter Baumler, who got Tommy John surgery shortly after that, didn't pitch for a while. Finally got back on the mound in Delmarva last season, and the right-hander was looking good. The stuff was looking good, but then injuries hit again. Turns out Baumler got right shoulder surgery. That's his pitching shoulder this offseason. He's going to start the year on the 60-day injured list in Delmarva. It seems like, I mean, at the very least, he's going to miss at least the entire first half of the minor league season. And yeah, Tommy John's not great, but guys 
tend to return from Tommy John at this point in 2023. We're really at the point for pitchers where shoulder surgeries are much more concerning than Tommy John is. Carter Baumler has now gotten both within his first three years in the Orioles system and has not pitched above low A. I like him as a prospect. I think he's one of the better in terms of just sealing pitching prospects in the O system. But at this point, I'm just unsure if he can get back. Guys have done it before with this many surgeries, but it's a little tough to see it happen for Carter Baumler. But that'll do it for today's episode here on a Friday evening. Feeling good after an Orioles victory. Hopefully he can turn into a series win or even maybe a sweep coming up this weekend with two more games against the New York Yankees. It continues on Saturday night. I will be in the ballpark. So if you want to say hi, come and find me in the park. Orioles and Yankees at 7.05 from Oriole Park at Camden Yards on Saturday night as they will go for the series win. It'll be Johnny Brito, the rookie right-hander, going for the Yankees, and Cole Irvin will make his Camden Yards debut for the O's. Then on Sunday, it's a 135 start. Nestor Cortez, the former Oriole, goes for the Yankees, and Tyler Wells makes his first start of the season for the Orioles. Then I'll be back on Monday to recap the final two games of the weekend series, hopefully recapping an Orioles series win. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team 